0: Good morning, everyone. This is Linda Santavica on Pressing Beyond. Most of us are familiar with Harold Kushner's best selling book, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Some of us experience bad things. In fact, I am assuming that bad things have happened to all of us at one time. However, we all handle those bad things differently. We get to choose whether we spiral down or escalate up. We are going to hear from someone who took the bad in her life and used it for something remarkable. Rebecca Sharp, a working professional, author, and speaker, is going to share with us how she rose from the wreck, reached her calling, and built her dream life. Good morning, Rebecca.
1: Good morning, Linda, and all of the Pressing Beyond listeners. I feel so fortunate to be here with you all, and I really am grateful for the opportunity. So thank you for having me.
0: Well, I know you're super busy. So before we hear about how you built your dream life, let's start from where you're from.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much. So I am very proud of both my Cuban and Jamaican roots on the paternal side. I was born in St. Louis, Missouri, spent a year of my life there, and then moved to Phoenix, Arizona, which is where my formative years were really shaped. And I moved to Michigan, Um, I lived with my grandparents and really got the opportunity to be immersed in the Cuban culture. And I love the passion, how family is at the heart of everything that we do. And there's so much honesty, respect and resilience embedded in the culture. So those are all attributes that I really carry with me. When I moved to Michigan at 15, uh, obviously I finished high school in Michigan. And then I went to college at the University of Michigan. So go blue. We are in bowl game season. I come from a football family since so I went to the University of Michigan. I worked in Michigan for a couple of years post graduation. Uh, Then I got an opportunity with Ford Motor Company and I always laugh because they give you this list of 21 different cities that you can go to and start your career. I was imagining myself in Miami, LA, DC, you know, thriving metropolis. And then they called me and said they wanted me to go to Pittsburgh. I didn't know anything about Pittsburgh except for the Steelers. So I'm like contemplating whether or not I was going to accept the job um, because I didn't know anything about Pittsburgh. But truly, I believe the Lord used Ford as a vehicle to get me to Pittsburgh because that is where I experienced true transformation in pretty much every facet of my life, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, relationally. I mean, I was there for seven years and then I recently relocated back Here to Michigan, because this is where our nucleus, where our world headquarters is for Ford Motor Company. God has just sort of built on all of the work that he was doing in my heart in Pittsburgh here. Coming back to Michigan,
0: I've just experienced new dimensions of purpose, of power, and of prosperity. Rebecca, you do have an extraordinary life right now. And in your case, as we spoke earlier, you had some serious challenges to plow through. It was heartbreaking. And yet, miraculously, you rose from the wreck what brought you back to Michigan? So, yeah, it was really
1: the devastation uh, that was occurring in my life at that time, as you've alluded to, Linda, and I just want to thank you for even, you know, seeing me and understanding sort of the magnitude of loss and dysfunction that I have experienced. I'm not, you know, we're not defined by our past, but I do believe that it helps to shape us and make us who we are. And I am I can say I'm at a place now where I'm proud of the beauty for ashes that I'm experiencing now and to really see how the pain of my past has pointed me to the promise of my future. So uh, my childhood was marked by a lot of chaos and calamity. My father was a professional football player, but he was first round draft pick out of UCLA. You know, he had this dream story of the American dream. He came to this country from Cuba. He was six years old and sort of rose through the ranks of football and went on to be a standout athlete at UCLA. He had a myriad of coaches and programs that were looking to recruit him coming out of high school. Ended up choosing UCLA. That's where he and my mother met. So they had got that love story. But yeah, he was first round draft pick out of UCLA. when. On with the St. Louis Cardinals, had a 13 year, very decorated career with Pro Bowl three times. Wow. Uh, he worked as a sportscaster because he was very articulate and eloquent. He also spoke two languages. People were like, wow, we've never seen someone like this before that just has, you know, so dynamic in the background, in the culture. Powerful story, the dominant offensive tackle. He was able to appear in a movie actually my sisters and i were in the movie with him as well waiting to exhale with angela bass they filmed that in phoenix and they created a role for him because the role that he played he was a former athlete and sportscaster anyway so he just had so many incredible things going for him. I mean, this, he served as a team captain for several years, Was had a leadership role in the Players Association. So I just, you know, I say all of that to really illustrate the way that he was leading and just how yeah. powerful of a man he really was while he was in his prime. But unfortunately, he had a career-ending knee injury And that really just placed him on a downward spiral with addiction. Mm. And if anyone out there knows anything about addiction, I mean, it completely decimates families. And we had the added complexity of him being a public figure, especially in Arizona. So as he was going on this spiral, everything was, and thank God we didn't have Facebook or Instagram back then, but everything was on the news. It was in the newspapers and I mean even national publications, New York Times, The Washington Times, the LA Times, they were picking up a lot of just the negative things that were happening in his life. And then of course, as a result, in our lives as well. He was shot twice, one time just a centimeter away from a major artery as he was, you know, in the streets and being robbed. And he was a target, right? Because people knew who he was and right. the access point to rob, if you will, because of his NFL status. He also did some prison time violating his probation and just with the drug abuse that continued over 20 years. And one one time when he was in prison, he was actually involved in a race riot and he was beat over the head with rocks. He was unconscious. And so he just had been through a lot of turmoil. And that, of course, impacts our childhood and sort of not having our father around, but also this very public breakdown, right? I shared with you, Linda, I remember very vividly the Arizona Republic. And of course, they had covered his career. And when he was in the midst of this darkness and tribulation, they actually published a story with the headline from Football Hero to Crackhead Zero. Oh boy. And those words have just been like seared in my mind. And so that was sort of that formulates more of a picture of what we were up against as children living in this community with our father going through an extraordinarily public downward spiral and experience with
0: addiction. But the story does not end there.
1: Yeah, I think the culmination of the hardship and just the harrowing seasons that we experienced was 14 years ago when I received a call that my oldest sister, Leah, uh, was found murdered in an alley in South Phoenix. And that was when my entire life changed. I mean, in that moment, I remember that moment is like it was yesterday. I have a very lucid memory there. But that was sort of the inflection point when we realize like oh my gosh things have completely gotten out of control and now we have lost a 23 year old woman that had so much promise so much purpose so much power and unfortunately her life was cut short because she was a part of that street life you know she went Mm -hmm. out there trying to save my father and ended up getting caught up into you know the lifestyle and I always say the people that took her life They didn't see her as a beloved daughter or a faithful sister or this up and coming beautiful woman who had so much to give to the world. She was just somebody that was in the way of their ultimate objective. And so she was robbed killed and just thrown, you know, into um, an alleyway. And I know that I have healed because there were many, many years where I wasn't even able to bring myself to articulate the story of Leah's passing without coming to tears. Um, But I now see that God used even that as a part of my testimony to be able to comfort others and uplift others and encourage others during their time of trouble and of sadness and of grief because of what I experienced at a young age. But that was certainly a pivotal moment in my life. And I remember, you know, I'm the second oldest of five children and I used to be very volatile in my emotions and just a very, very emotional child. But that was when I, really, there's a quote, you don't know how strong you are until being strong is your only option. And that is when I really saw the grace of God at work in my life, Mm -hmm. his supernatural presence. But also I begin to recognize my own strength and my own ability to handle, you know, the complexities and the hardships of life. And so although that was my darkest day, I see how God is using even that for me to build from and to be a greater
0: light. Absolutely. I, I'm so aligned with you on this. Sometimes, when we reach the darkest corners of our life, that's when we start seeing some light. Now, let me ask you a question. When that happened with your sister, Was that also the breakthrough for your family to come together? I will say that it wasn't necessarily the marker of
1: our family coming together, unfortunately. I think it almost created more rifts and division because there was a lot of blame that was being thrown Mm -hmm. around. just a lot of grief that turned into anger and bitterness and Mm -hmm. you know just all type of division and so Mm -hmm. unfortunately it was kind of just like another turn down a very dark path and even for my father shortly after she was murdered he actually got his longest prison sentence which was for six years and again violation of probation so he was removed from the family and had to go through his grieving process in prison and we were Oh
0: just trying to figure out where to go from here. Since then, how have things evolved for you? I mean, you know, we get up and we do what's next. Yeah, I mean, the next phase
1: when that happened, it was right after my freshman year of college. And so initially I didn't think that I was going to be returning. I just felt like life was over, but thankfully because of the family and the community that I had around me, everybody sort of rallied around me and, you know, reminded me that my sister would want me to continue to press onward. Mm -hmm. I told her I'm going to make you proud and I'm going to do everything that you unfortunately didn't get the opportunity to do because your life was cut short and you know by my perspective and so You know, summoned those inner wells of courage and went back to school and ended up doing really well and had a lot of really remarkable things happen to me throughout my remaining three years at the University of Michigan. And I really believe that it was my pathway to Pittsburgh, honestly, that I was able to truly receive the healing that my soul needed because, you know, many times we don't get the space or the grace to process the things that happen to us. We've just got to keep on going, keep right. on moving. Right. You know, you've got to do the, the next thing. And I understand that. And thankfully in doing the next thing I was able to achieve wonderful accomplishments but still inwardly, I didn't realize how Decrepit my spirit and soul really was. Pain is still there. Absolutely. And it turns into other things, you Mm -hmm. know, and then we go to other mechanisms trying to cope and to find comfort and find healing. But for me personally, I didn't truly find what I was looking for until I really encountered God in a personal way, which Mm -hmm. happened in Pittsburgh. And so that's really the foundation for me of pressing beyond the devastations. It's my faith. And one of the scriptures that has really given me a strong framework to find purpose in the pain is that of Psalms, actually. It says, it was good for me to be afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. And truly, I can see that there is goodness in the pain because I've had to turn to God in a very real, raw way. And that has what has been so transformative in my life.
0: Rebecca, there are so many testimonies I've heard, and this is so beautiful. We may have all the skill sets we need. We may have the savvy, the intelligence, you know, to dust off our feet and keep walking. But what is an internal, we can't do it on our own. Okay, so I always say Pittsburgh gives people purpose. But while you were here, a lot of wonderful things happened and, but you called out of Pittsburgh for a wonderful opportunity where you are right now, in Detroit, mm-hmm. and you were called to something that is challenging for you, but in a wonderful way, you're not just working in the corporate world. You have, you built your own little empire. Your website is beautiful. Yeah, BeccaSharp.com. You've been writing, you're published. You have Sharp Talk, your YouTube channel, and you are also sought out to speak, a lot of engagements. So tell us how all that started.
1: So I, and I shared this with you, Linda, and I want will- I wanna just encourage anyone who may be listening that when you get comfortable in a place, right? And this place becomes your refuge and where God has met you and he's done all these wonderful things within you and you've created connections and you're you know, sought after even for just your heart to serve mm-hmm. and to encourage. And it can be difficult when God is now calling you out of that place into sort of uncharted territory or into the unknown or back to a place where you're like, God, I didn't really plan to come back to Michigan. I thought I was going to finally get to one of those thriving cities, right? Once I was called out of Pittsburgh, but I felt the Lord, quickening my spirit. And I had people around me that were like, hey, it's going to pain me to see you go, but I do believe that God is calling you back there for his purpose. And so I just encourage you, if God is calling you out of your comfort zone and you know that it is God to take that leap of faith, because my life, it looks completely different since I've come to Michigan. Like I said, he did the, the foundational work in Pittsburgh, rebuilding that foundation. I've just seen God. Do such mighty exploits in my life since being back here in Michigan. It's all evidence that his plans for us are good, you know, mm-hmm. and to, to prosper us and to bring us hope in a future. So received a promotion at work, middle-level management in marketing in the Ford customer service division. So that keeps me very busy. But mm-hmm. aside from that, I was able to publish my first book in 2020. And that was really like an anthology, excuse me, of testimonies of millennial women, just about how the power of prayer really produces miracles. And we really wanted to talk about taboo topics if you will that aren't always covered in the church but sex and divorce and Mm -hmm. you know just breaking in life mental illness singleness because you asked me about some of the things that are happening now. So I was just going to kind of continue to build off of, you know, the Millennial Transformations book. I also wrote another ebook about prospering in the pandemic and understanding to share with others what God has done. It's inviting people into some of the practices that I've done. Even my dad and I, uh, we're looking to collaborate on a book in 2022, which will Wonderful. be really neat. Yeah. And then we've got Sharp Talk, as you mentioned, uh, which is true legacy work I shared with Liz- My dad actually hosted Shark Talk in St. Louis early on in his career. He was on a radio station. So now here we are 30 plus years later, bringing it back with a 21st century flair. But it's been really awesome to interview notable guests. You know, a lot of his contemporaries, but even others as well that are just doing awesome things in their fields, but we get to talk about their faith and their family and friendship oh, and wonderful. their fun. Yes. It's been a joy uh, to really partake in that legacy work.
0: And you know something you were talking about uh, now that you and da- your dad are collaborating together on Sharp Talk and you're going to be authoring a book together, but you and your father are also, you're affiliated with the NFL Hall of Fame we are it's interesting because when
1: you really begin walking in your purpose it's incredible how you just attract opportunity so we were not out seeking this we got a call from somebody who had seen sharp talk they were familiar with my father's story and the hall of fame started this new initiative called the hall of fame behavioral health and it is to focus on substance abuse mental wellness and behavioral health which is truly like the confluence of passion for both my father and I, and and we're looking as this cohort to raise awareness and reduce stigma around mental health and ultimately transform culture. So it's been an incredible opportunity. There are several ambassadors that are Hall of Fame players that we've been able to interact with. Uh, We've been doing some planning and preparation for events that will be coming up in 2022, barring any issues with COVID, but also. Getting a chance to really learn about the centers of excellence that we partner with, and the phenomenal care that they provide to both NFL players, their families, but also anybody who's looking to receive help in these areas, and and something that really uh, continues to compel my passion is recognizing that we are living in an arc of time where. Mental health and substance abuse have become such a crisis. When I was experiencing this with my father, I felt very alone. I felt like no one could really understand what I was going through. There was a lot of shame around my father's addiction. But you know, the CDC recently reported that there was over 100,000 overdoses in 2021. That's the highest that's ever been on record and it's up over 30% year over year. We also are seeing one in five people have some sort of mental illness and suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the US. So all of these stats and data points are really pointing to a greater crisis, right? That is unfolding in our generation And I believe that God is using our story as an antidote to a lot of the pain that people are experiencing so that we may may serve as a beacon of hope, you know, and be light in the midst of darkness based on the things that we've gone through. So it's just so incredible because when you
0: think about,
1: you know, being born for such a time as this, we are seeing
0: that. Absolutely. And you know, Rebecca, we all have a testimony. It's it's a light on the hill. When we are transparent about the things that have happened to us, that is purpose. Rebecca, I mean, you have a website. Yeah, so I've
1: got the Rebecca Sharp.com, which really, I um, mean, thank you so much for your very generous sentiments and compliments there. But that really just speaks more to who I am and what my heart is. And then we've got SharptalkShow.com okay. that focuses more on Sharp Talk and some of the incredible guests that we've been able to interview. It's really interesting because I was just taking inventory before recording this podcast that we've been recording our show for 14 months and we are three seasons in we've had over 20 interviews you know the relationships that have been restored and the opportunities that we've had to really reconnect with guys and gals that my dad
0: and i'm sure sure this is a gift to your dad too yeah everything he's been through he must be loving this it's a daddy-daughter dance i'm sure he's just thrilled all right so You have Sharp Talk and you have a book that you're working on with your dad. What else do you have in the pipeline?
1: Yeah, Linda, so we're really excited. I'm going to say it here first. You know, we've been approached by many different storytellers over the last several years to tell our story and this story on a greater stage or platform and through new channels. And so we are really leaning into that in 2022 and actively looking for partnerships to produce this story in a greater way to share with more people. But we also want to follow up, you know, sharing this story with fireside chats, if you will, bringing in subject matter experts that can talk about yes. this journey of healing, mm-hmm. of restoration, of redemption. Because again, when I say 100,000 people have passed away as overdoses, I look at those as, you know, uncles and aunts and mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and colleagues and neighbors. and there's a a real impact that a loss of that magnitude leaves on the people that were attached to that life. And so we are looking to just be vessels and instruments of healing, of encouragement, of hope. And we think one of the ways to really do that is by going to different cities or utilizing these virtual platforms and just having conversations because that's been something that's been really powerful for both my dad and I, just healing in community other brothers and sisters to glean from and to share with and to know, Hey, I'm not in this journey alone. Somebody else understands my pain and together, we can actually push forward to our healing. So we're really excited about being able to foster those environments and partner with other people who are already doing this very critical and important work and just sort of taking it to a higher dimension along with the book project that we're working on together and continuing to really leverage the Hall of Fame Behavioral Health Initiative and see other players and their families be able to take part in the help and the hope that is available to them.
0: You know, Rebecca, what you're doing, it's a gift. What a time too. It's Christmas. (laughs) So Rebecca, I want to wish you and your family a Merry Christmas.
1: Thank you. And I say, I echo those sentiments to you, Linda, and I just want to bless the listening audience. May the Lord bless you all and keep you, especially in this new year. So thanks again. Really enjoyed the conversation, Linda, and excited to remain
0: connected with you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Rebecca.